Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Dial up. Do you know, do you know what we're doing tonight? Do you know what we're doing? We are recording another podcast, but without Spielberg. Without Spielberg. Without Spiely, that's right, podcast listeners, the most famous, unfamous guy who may have broken the fourth barrier a couple episodes ago. I don't know if he's going to edit it out, but he actually spoke once. But he exists, but he's not here today. Our tech man, our sound guy, our editor, he's claiming he has too much work to do with his mammon. That's his on-the-job, his real job that he gets paid for. So dial-up is taking over. Now he's doing two roles tonight. He's co-hosting as usual, and he is our tech guy, sound guy. Are you up for the task? I'll let you know at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, off, off to a little sketchy start here. We are off to a little <laughs> sketchy start. He forgot the table. He, you know, we had, we had to find some things in the bag. Couldn't find them in Spielberg's bag of tricks. But anyway, we're off and rolling, and here we go. Well, here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man, Man podcast. I'm your host, Nevin Gorky. I'm known as DFib in the Gloom. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Troy Klinger, known as Dial-Up, who I've already introduced. So, you know, this, Dial-Up, you know, this only is going to prove one thing, you forming two, uh, performing two roles today. What's that? It's going to prove that I'm, I'm the most expendable man of the, our trio here <laughs> on the podcast, because I don't nah. know how to run that tech thing. So. I don't think so. Yeah. Because you are, are recruiting extraordinaire uh, a recruiter extraordinaire i guess i should say yeah trying yeah. to trying to we got some some lighting up all these we got some high impact men yeah yeah and and i i told the guys that we just had the keystone convergence last weekend and the second annual keystone convergence for those of you who don't know the keystone convergence was my brainchild from two summers ago it's a long story but we had the first one last year i really wanted to have a place where all the regions from pennsylvania could get together and network and get to know guys and uh, it's just incredible, right? I mean, it was just, it's, it's, uh, um, what it proves is if you're a member of F3, you're truly part of a brotherhood because guys who you've either never met before or you met once before, maybe in the convergence the year before, it's almost like you've known each other for a long time. The guys are hugging each other, you know, just the camaraderie is incredible because we have a shared experience in this thing called F3. If you're not a member of F3, F3 stands for fitness, fellowship, and faith. Uh, it is a nationwide, now worldwide movement, uh, a free workout for men outdoors. We have five core principles. It's free. It's open to all men. It's always outside, peer-led on a rotational basis. So if you show up, you got to eventually lead a workout and uh, ends in a circle of trust. So anyway, uh, it's just really cool to have that kind of brotherhood. We've talked about it in multiple podcasts. Uh, if you're out there and you're a guy and you don't have a group of men that you're, you're tight with, that you really have good friendships, not superficial friendships, but really good friendships with that you could turn to in trouble, uh, then you need to find it. And uh, if there's an F3 near you, I suggest you do that because it really performs that function better than anything I've experienced so far. But the reason I may mention that is because, um, first of all, a lot of guys came up to me after, like, hey, we love your podcast, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's really cool. But, uh, but just, you know, the camaraderie we have, and I told... Uh, recently, uh, I was talking to Hello Kitty and Red Baron and even some other guys, and I said, you know, if no one ever listened to this podcast, I'd still want to do it because I have such a good time getting to know these high-impact men. 
and hearing their stories. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, it's just so, like, I look forward to it. It's not like a task that it's like, oh, got to do another podcast this week. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I look forward to hearing the stories of the men um, that, that you're lining up for us to have come in and, and talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, would, I guess, send out a plea to all you guys, all you guys listening out there that if, you're, if you think you have a compelling story to, to share, and every man has a story to share. But if you have a story to share, you want to come on the podcast, something that can help motivate, inspire, encourage other guys, then please reach out to us. Or if you know somebody like that, uh, it's great having guys uh, well known to the F3 group, you know, like Hello Kitty and uh, Dark Helmet. And we're going to, uh, I think, have Slaughter on. And I got uh, uh, probably Dread at some point. But um, but the average, so you know, quote unquote average Joe out there that most people don't know, those some of those guys are just doing incredible things. Yeah. Speaking of slaughter, we ought to put the uh, a link to his YouTube video out on our website. Oh, that's because he had a really strong message for the the men that uh, attended the Keystone Convergence. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And since you're so, now the the substitute tech guy, I will make sure that, that happens. All right. <laughs> Note to self: Tell Speely to put the link to the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I could trust you to remember this because didn't you just have a senior moment recently? <laughs> I was wondering if you forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I had a little moment. So. Uh, so this weekend, <clears throat> Saturday in particular, was my 2.0. So in F3 speak, that's 2.1. 2. I guess he's, yeah, technically he's my 2.1. So we call our kids in F3 our 2.0s for obvious reasons. And so uh, given it, Evan's my second child, he would be my 2.1, technically speaking. So he graduated recently from, uh, from high school. So we were having a little party. And uh, it was just, it was one of those hectic days, you know, like we had to go here, we had to go there, we had to go a couple different other places. And so we um, had been running around pretty, pretty busily in the uh, morning and it was like lunchtime and we knew we weren't really going to have time to make anything to eat. So we were driving past Wendy's and so it was like, hey, let's just grab something from Wendy's really quick. So went through, placed our order and then uh, we drove over to... Uh, the Dollar Tree, my wife had to pick a couple last minute things up for the party supply place or from the party supply. Well, from Dollar Tree for the party. That's what I wanted to say. And uh, so I'm sitting there. I dropped her off. And of course, she said it'd be just a minute. And uh, 10 minutes later, I'm like, huh, I'm starting to get hungry because I'd you know worked out in the morning and then we'd been running around. So I look over to where we normally would set the food after we had went through the drive through and uh, the food wasn't there. No food. No, no food. I look, I look in the back, thinking maybe it got set back there, and no food. So apparently, uh, as I thought about it, I remembered ordering the food. I remembered paying for the food. <laughs> but I had no recollection of actually stopping at the little window where they give you the food. And apparently, <laughs> it's just driven right past. <laughs> so the only thing that makes me feel better is... Obviously, you know, my wife, uh, she had forgotten as well and never said anything and just let me drive right, drive right past. And she gets back in the car at, at the Dollar Tree or General, whatever it is, Dollar Tree. And uh, I said, hey, where'd we go before we were here? And she goes, Wise. I said, after Wise, before we got here. She's like, Wendy's. And she starts looking around, and she has the same look on her face that I just had on my face, like, where's the food? Where's the food? So, yeah, fortunately, we drove back over real quick, and uh, I walk in, and it's sitting on the counter waiting for me. 
And I said, is that by chance some food for some guy that like just drove off and <laughs> paid for it and didn't pick it up? And the guy in the back, he's chuckling. He's like, yeah, he goes, I tried to catch you, but you were gone. <laughs> and uh, I said, just please tell me I'm not the first person to do this. And I think just out of pure compassion, they said, no, by far, you're not the first person to do this. But <laughs> just anyway, all, just all the old folks. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> a little forgetful. It was a little hectic, a little bit of a senior moment. I am approaching that risk. Uh, you are respect. less than 365. I am less away. than 365 days away from respect. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what sal- what, what is with salads and, you know, <laughs> we, we have some good salad stories. That's right. <laughs> I won't some people, with... some people eat their salads and forget that they ate their yeah, salads. That, some that people just forget to pick up their salads. Yeah. We the, had an SLT uh, meeting at a local eating establishment. Everyone ordered their food, got their, you know, appetizers i had a salad then she brings out the entrees and she's plating putting plates down i said boy there's no room for my salad she looked at me like what are you talking about and the other guys are looking at me like no defib you know you ate your salad i'm like oh i did eat my salad it was good too but i forgot you did not say oh that's right i did eat my salad you had no recollection at all of eating your salad (laughs) (laughs) you're like i did well anyway with that we are going let's get the g-ray talk about our guest <laughs> you, if you're, if you listen to our podcast faithfully on the M episode, we introduced G Ray. He came along with his M. If you haven't listened to that episode, then you need to finish this episode and go right there and listen to it because we had our wives on to tell us what they think of us. Um, not that many of you care, but if you're a guy of F three, we talked about what it was like to be married to an F three guy. So go back and listen to the M podcast. But G Ray was on that podcast. His real name is Jared Treese. His F3 name is G. Ray. He's a high-impact man that we know. He's from our packs here in the Susquehanna Valley. And, you know, we thought G. Ray would be a, an excellent guest. A lot of people would be. And, but, uh, you know, we kind of know his story a little bit. We want him to tell, him more, tell us more. Uh, but he, um, he, you know, went through life uh, pretty well until he got very surprised by a uh, diagnosis that is not one you want to hear. And, uh, but he came through it. He came through it on the other side, and he's become a leader a leader at work and in the community, and uh, and we love him. And so we're going to hear his story today of what he went through and uh, how he's doing now and what he's doing now to to lead and and impact others as a high-impact man. So, G. Ray, welcome to the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. It's nice to be here again. Yeah, you're in the Nan Cave now. This is what we call the Nan Cave. I see that, yeah. It yeah. substitutes as our, our home gym and as my daughter's area where she does spray tanning to make some money. On the side, so yeah, it's like anyway. a refrigerator in here. Yeah, it's a little cool. It's a little cool in the basement. I have to say, I, I, I usually keep the house around sixty, anywhere from sixty-six to sixty-eight degrees. And I read in the book, The Comfort Crisis, that's actually good for you to live in a little bit colder weather. So there you go. After all these years, I could tell my wife I, I was saving her health <laughs> as she walks around in sweatshirts and double socks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know we uh, we usually ask guys you know who we aged you how'd you get involved with F three and your your how'd you get your name but we asked you that two podcasts ago I think it was two podcasts ago anyway um, the uh, the well why well, just tell us tell us <laughs> how you got your name we'll All just right. do that so so uh, I I'll tell you what when I fir- when I showed up for that first beatdown I was just focused on the on the workout. And, and I think somebody said, hey, you may have to kind of tell a little bit about yourself. But I wasn't expecting. And then right at the end, it was like, bam. Yeah. And I jumped in that circle. And I, I just was not prepared to kind of spit out the details of my life. So I, I started sharing some of those. And, and uh, it came out to a lot of what I do with 
with my work. I work in, in radiation oncology and I work with radiation and, and one thing went from like x-rays to gamma rays and then somehow things got stuck and it became G-ray. That's right. G-ray. G-ray. That's, a, that's a good name. That's a good name. It could have been much worse. Yeah. But as we mentioned on this podcast before, we do a poor job of giving guys names in our, in our uh, little... Well, you did well with people. mine. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, I think G-Ray's got one of the better names. Yeah, he does. In he the does. region. I want to name somebody Betty Crocker just to say we gave somebody a really bad name. So that's what I'm going to shout out next time we have an FNG. <laughs> so <laughs> so G-Ray, um, I, I always ask everybody, you know, tell us about what it was like where you grew up, your family life. I know I read your bio here a little bit about that, but tell us about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, before I do that, yeah, my M... Uh-oh. Oh, boy, that's North Atlantic. The North Atlantic. Did you get requesting trouble? a name change. She wants a name change. She would like the name Freedom. Are you requesting that right here now officially? I. Uh, she said, can you ask? And I said, I don't think they change names. But no. Oh, no, you do change names, but it usually it's traditionally a worse name. All right. You should report back to her that... It might um, be like Lady Freedom or something you, like you that. Ne- first of all, you never, ever, ever get what you request. So that's just that's just a rule. Yeah. So freedom is out. Boy, I don't why would know. you want to change from G Ray? No, she wants no. to change her name. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. We gave the ladies' names at the, oh. the M podcast. <laughs> she didn't like the North Atlantic. So yeah. But well, the other option anyways, was Pack Rat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I tossed it out there, but but uh, I I just wanted to to. to Honor her request, and all uh, right. So for the but, for the M's, that falls into a different category. I don't think there's any official rules. No, there are no official rules. Written. There's only five core principles. And since but, yes, since yeah. really, but I I personally still like North Atlantic, though. Yeah. Well, but, you could report back to her that we will bring it up with the packs <laughs> at a later date. <laughs> so, so anyways, I you know just a little bit about myself growing up. Uh, uh, grew up in in central Pennsylvania here, and and I. Pretty much, I actually had a blast growing up. It was one of the best times of my life. We, we grew up in a t- small town right next to a, a school, and it was just filled with kids in the neighborhood, and we would play every kind of sport we could. The summers were just a blast. Just anything you could think of, we were on the go from in the morning uh, until it, our parents came out on the doorstep and started yelling for us, and we went heading back in. So... So just a blast growing up in that area, safe area, and and just lots of fun, lots of memories, and uh, and good stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading your bio here. You said you're able to ride your BMX bikes around town. Didn't matter where you went. Uh, apparently, nobody cared if you got hurt or not. But uh, you're driving your you're riding your friend's bike, and you say it says here you lost your friend's bike, and you even named the bike a Hutch Pro Series on a hoagie run. And then you had to steal it back without losing the hoagies. What's what's up yeah. with that? Was it yeah, a ri- so, rival biker game? So biker there's gang? a sub shop in 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 my town, Sunbury, called Sunbury Sub Shop. So I take my buddy's bike down there, run into the get pick up some hoagies. I come out, and his bike is gone. It is disappeared, and I just did not know what had happened. So, and I put it in there because bikes were a big thing then. You know, your BMX bike. Yeah, and you guys weren't riding. Like, I, I saw your bike, right? Was a was a Harrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and a Hutch Pro. You guys weren't riding, like, no, these the old Kmart or uh, department store bikes. You guys were riding, these, like, legit BMX yeah. bikes. Yeah, it would have been it would have been hard to tell my buddy 
<laughs> I didn't have his bike anymore. Yeah. So I grab my hoagies. I start running around the sub shop. And next thing you know, I am, am, am heading down the street. And as I'm heading down the street, it is, is very apparent as I walk by an area where there's, at the time I was probably maybe 13, 12, 13, there's an area of guys who are probably 18, 20, just hanging out, and there's the bike. There is the bike sitting there right in front of these guys, and they're talking, and they're not next to the bike, and I see it. So with hoagie in hand, I run up to that bike, jump on it, and I start taking off. And somehow I don't drop the hoagie. I just keep pedaling away. I hear the guy start yelling at me, but I didn't look back and uh, took off and stole the bike back and, 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 and saved, the, saved the day. Nice. Very nice. Now, I don't know how you guys afforded all it, those fancy bikes. Well, you know, you know they, they did make more than one bike of certain colors and certain styles. Hopefully that was <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Hopefully you got the right bike, buddy. <laughs> all right. So you were brave at an early age. <laughs> I was desperate. All right. Well, you know, that came, this is, you know, bravery. That's awesome. Um, high man showing bravery that early, taking on the big boys. Um, did a lot of outdoor stuff with your dad. Yeah, yeah, we were we were a pretty active family. I mean, I'm sure my dad was stressed out. Probably wasn't relaxing for him. I have an older brother, and so he and I would probably just fight all the time. And but good memories and so. But yeah, we did a lot of stuff. My dad was was really involved. Nice. And then you went to uh, to high school, and you met your well, you met North Atlantic. Well, b- before we go there, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So you had listed some of these other games and stuff that you spent your time doing in the summer. So I was I was curious about. I mean, you have one here, corn bombing or bombing with corn. I assume that's just classic corn and right. What, what is, uh, <clears throat> is it hit the biker that I see? Yeah. What so, was, what was the hit the biker game? So <laughs> like I said, you just, we just made up games. And, and so what we did is there was, um, there was a school right behind our house. And so right along the wall, you would, you would line up and you would have a kid on a bike, try and ride parallel to the wall as fast <laughs> as they could while some kids sat out in front with tennis rackets and tennis balls ah. and you would drill the tennis ball into the wall trying to hit the biker yeah and the biker would just go back and forth right nice. until he got hit and it seemed like a very reasonable game. absolutely <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely you'd pay a lot of money to play those games at carnivals i i had visions of like big leather bound biker dudes on harleys that they were trying to hit in some way Sounded really dangerous. I'm trying to figure out what bombing with corn is. What the heck is that? You never went corning? I have no idea. Okay, I grew up in uh, you didn't you didn't suburbia. have any They didn't no have farms. any cornfields up in. Uh, no, we had rocks and Wilkesbara. One thing we had was <laughs> hubcaps, right? So this is back when cars had hubcaps. Yeah, we would go hubcapping. What's hubcapping? So you stand along the side of the road with a hubcap, some you know old, just you know hubcap you found, and when a car came by, you would throw the hubcap down on the street really hard. And you'd yell to the car and pick up the hubcap because cars would lose their hubcaps. <laughs> and guys would think it was their hubcap that came off, and they get out of the car, and as they start walking over to you, you'd just turn and run with the hubcap and see if they chase you. <laughs> so that was that was one thing we did. Yeah. No, we, we didn't have any corn bombing. No. So corn and corn and was similar. Okay. So you went to the neighbor's cornfield, and this was you know just like hard feed corn, and you would shell it until your fingers would bleed, right? Fill a big bag full of corn, and then you would just hide somewhere along the side of the road. 
And when cars would come by, you just throw a handful of corn and just pelt the car with corn. Okay. In most yeah. cases, they continued just to drive off. Uh-huh. Probably a bit angry. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about you, but there was those rare instances when they would jack on their brakes and try to hunt you down. Yeah, that's when you get to run. Yeah, it was fun. All right. So Did you ever get chased, you, Ray? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But we also, we'd hit houses. We'd, we'd oh, houses. you didn't do, oh. Yeah, yeah. Ah. and the other fun way, we'd do pool hopping. Oh, we did that, yeah. Pool hopping, hopping at yeah. nighttime. Yep, yep, yep. So you were urban corning. Yes. I was yeah. rural corning. Yeah, where we, we were. You would run down the street and just hammer it. Yeah. If we did just houses where running. I grew up, you'd have to you know, walk like half a mile or so to <laughs> <laughs> get from house to house. Yeah, cars were easier. There were more targets. That's right. We yeah. just sat there and it came to us. Yeah. No, we did pool hopping. That was always fun. Jump into other people's pools, jump out and run and go to the next pool. Yeah. All right. Until they came out with the shotgun and started shooting at you. So fortunately, they always missed. All right. So in high school, went to Shikalemi High School. Yep. And you played baseball there and basketball? Uh, baseball baseball and wrestling when I was younger. Uh, ran track and basketball at, in high school. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell everyone out there that the G Ray is a pretty darn good athlete, and uh, we used to play basketball, pick up basketball a lot, and in some adult leagues and things like that. And he's he is smooth, smooth like smooth. butter. Yeah, and he could jump, but he still hasn't reached his goal of dunking. No, no, my current goal is just to grab the rim. I yeah. I, I, I don't think at forty six I'm going to be dunking anymore. It's easier if you lower the rim. That's true. Just make it lower. I, yeah. So somehow it just doesn't feel like I would be achieving no, the same goal. No. Well, I could tell you this. So I, that was the game I played most of, you know, most of my life, basketball. I basically retired almost two years ago from pickup basketball because F3 gets me more fit and I have less injuries. And uh, I would have, until this last year, I think, I would have at least twice a year a dream that I was dunking. I was playing games and dunking the basketball. I haven't had that dream for a little while, so I'm getting a little worried about that because I, I used to like that dream. It was slow motion. It was like you're floating through the air in your dream. But anyway, that was fun. So you met uh, North Atlantic in high school, right? I did. I did. She went to a different school. She went to Northumberland Christian School. So she was uh, two years behind me. And somehow we got connected because her sister came to our school. And she ended up dating my best friend. And that didn't work out, but, but it worked out for us. So she was... She may have been, and I may get this wrong, um, 14 at the time, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Now, this are you older than her? Yeah, about a year and a half. A year and a half, okay. Three or four months. Yeah, but high school sweethearts that stayed together. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like middle school sweethearts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but she, she was barely in high school, I think, but very young. Yeah. Robin yeah. the Cradle. Yeah. So, um, so you're married for how long now? So we're going to be married for 27 years in September. Wow, that's awesome. I got married in 1995. Yeah. So you, you met her in 91, married in 95, four years, basically four years of dating. Because you guys got married pretty young, right? Yeah. For today's you know, oh, standards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was 20, she was 18. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but but yes, absolutely. Rough it was, going in it the was beginning. It was a challenge, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so I can't <clears throat> I can't let this podcast go by without asking a question. So you ran track at Chick. Yeah. All right. So I know a lot of people won't won't know this reference and who I'm talking about, but I have to ask you, what is your favorite coach bell? 
story. So Coach Bell has been coaching at Chickalimi for, I don't know, seems like 100 years. So Yeah, so I, I've got a lot of stories. Um, and as for those who don't know uh, Jim Bell, he, he is absolutely one character. <laughs> absolutely. And, and so uh, I'll tell you an uncommon story. Uh, he it was the track coach for how many years? For, yeah. Forever. He still helps out in some capacity. Uh, but Coach Bell... Uh, also is a very bright guy, really intelligent fellow. And he taught uh, a literature course in Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Oh, I think I'd take that. And, yeah. and what you did is you would read the books and discuss them. And, and I don't know if it was once a week or once a day, he would open it up and he would allow a student to, to say, to read three sentences out of any Sherlock Holmes book. And, and to try and stump him, he would guess what book that was from. And about 98% of the time, he got it right. And Thanks. we would search for the shortest three sentences we could. But what a bright guy. Sharp memory and huh. fun teacher. Uh, we, we had a blast in that class. All right. Sherlock Holmes fan. I might have to uh, test him out sometime when I see Coach Bell during cross-country or track season. All right, but yeah, fun guy. Yeah, there's 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 some hilarious stories. On I, him. Anybody I know that that competed for Coach Bell, I I like to ask for their stories, and I've got quite a collection I've gathered over the years of just talking to folks from Schick that have competed for him. He is a he's a pretty cool dude. He's right up there with Coach Brandt that we had on, yeah. you know, back really early on our in our podcast. Yeah, coaches make a big impact on people. Yeah, don't they? definitely, or they can anyway, yep. positive or negative. Anyway, carry on, Defib. All right. Yeah, no, I don't know. And then you got off to college. What happened? You only spent one year at Waynesburg. What happened there? Uh, I was in love, right? So And and so I moved out to Waynesburg. It's right below Pittsburgh. I went out there by myself, uh, met some good guys out so that, there. So, this, that's, so that's about four hours away? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is, it's in the southwestern part of Pennsylvania, near, near the, the, the border of West Virginia, in a, in a t- town called Green County. Pennsylvania and so but was out there for about a year and then transferred back uh to to Williamsport Pennsylvania to Lycoming College Mm -hmm. and partly it was because you know you know uh my girlfriend at the time Bethany and uh and also I think that first year away at school you uh, it's a little hard being away yeah right so so and I still had these aspirations of playing uh, college basketball mm-hmm. and uh, kept kept that dream alive for a little bit and um, but that was probably one of my biggest regrets because I I never went out for the team but I definitely could have made the team I don't think I would have got much playing time but but uh, I told myself I didn't have time with school studies yeah right well. and and guess where I was every night <laughs> At the gym. At the gym. At the gym. Playing pickup games. Hit my classes, never skipped a meal at college, and then and then two hours every night, pickup games. And then I would get to my studies afterwards. Uh Uh-huh. Do you regret it? I regret not going out for the team. Yeah. I do. Yep. Yep. Because the guy I know now, he he wouldn't he wouldn't shy away from anything like that. No, I, 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 I definitely wish I would have just went out for it. Whether I made it or not, at least a try. Right. You would, you definitely would have made it. That's they're D three, right? Yeah. So, so it's yeah, a you, small. You're school. a good player. You would have definitely. There's made good it. players, but yeah. But. All right, you got a degree in physics there. 
He did. And uh, you get a job in the U.S. Patent Office. That was uh, down in the D.C. area, right? Yep, Arlington, Virginia, a place called Crystal City. Yep. Yep, so I was down there for about uh, uh, maybe about three and a half years from 1998. And it was a good first job. It was kind of cool at first with patent law and new inventions and applications. And and I you kind of work in a certain area as a patent examiner. You review patent applications. Um, but after a while, it just got just got pretty boring. Yeah. And so I was working in an area with, you know, with the background of physics. I was in holograms, compound lenses, and and and, and mostly the optical arts. And uh, there was some cool stuff, but most of it was. It just didn't. It just didn't get me going. It, it just was pretty blah. And so uh, I spent some time down there and. Um, Happened to be down there when 9-11 hit, too. Uh, and um, so Crystal City is basically right next to the Pentagon, just a little about a mile away, less than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a whole weird experience. Um, and uh, being down there around all of those things going on and not being able to get home, it was, it was a pretty crazy time. So you were there when that plane hit the Pentagon yeah. nearby? Yeah, so so Crystal City is a, a bunch of buildings right next to the Pentagon. It's right next to the National Airport. And right across from the air, right across the river is the the monuments in DC Capitol Building. And and so while we were there uh, at work, you know, you know, you hear the story that a plane hit the tower. And so so uh, you went down, we could go down to uh, there's like an underground tunnels throughout all of Crystal City. Yeah, I was there. I've been there. I went to a conference there, and I walked through those tunnels. Yeah. yeah. So, so there happened to be McDonald's down there in TV, and everyone's kind of checking it out. And then when the second plane hit, uh, that's when people were like, this is no joke. And so being in all of those buildings, you almost felt like you were a target, like something was going to happen, and you heard about the Pentagon. And in a matter of minute, everyone just like took off hmm. and like said, I'm getting out of here. So, so uh, being from a rural area, I thought I've got to get away from these buildings. So a, a coworker and I made our way to um, a park right by the National Airport. Uh, really cool park, but it was just open space and it was just eerie being there because you were surrounded by helicopters, fighter jets and the smoke coming out of the Pentagon. Mm. It was a strange feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. And until I got home, I had to get a bus home and I think it probably took me about six hours till I got home that night. Wow. North Atlanta must've been worried. She was. Yeah. So did, do we have cell phones back? Like, uh, you know, iPhones back then? I don't remember. So it was 2001. No, we I think we had cell phones, but I don't think there's an iPhone. Yeah. The reason I ask is you're in the park. <laughs> if you have your phone, you could like stay up to date on what's going on, news, all that stuff. But if you if we didn't have those, you would have been I in the dark. Right? Yeah, I don't know if they had Blackberries or not, but it was that was not a common thing. The phones yeah. were just basically for calls. Or yeah, I was a very yeah. late late comer to the to the cell phone and the iPhone. Uh, so I don't even know, you know, when those things happened because I got them late in life. Yeah, I think I I probably just had a classic little old phone or something of that nature back then i probably had one and it was dead in my car because my wife insisted i carry a cell phone and it was just sat in my car with a dead battery yeah, so. I, I remember that era when you 
You know, you had a cell phone, you could never get a hold of Deep Fib. No, 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 I was not. <laughs> Call, text, three days later, you'd hear from him. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the days. Now you get... I carry the stupid Now you thing get with 50 me. messages a day from him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, Slack is cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm not the tech guy. Um, so, you guys got married in 95. You graduated in 97. You go down there as basically, basically as newlyweds. You know, I, I, and it says you became a Christian uh, the year you got married, right? 95? That's right. Yep. What was your faith before that? You know what? It's, I, I grew up in a family that I couldn't have asked for a better family that was loving. My mom and my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather. My brother didn't love me, though. He <laughs> beat the crap out of me a lot. But, but I definitely grew up in a loving family. And, but, you know, uh, going to church was like a, a Christmas thing or an Easter thing. Was it, uh, what kind of church was it? It was like a Methodist church, okay. but, but, but it, you know, our fa- my parents' faith wasn't a big part of my life. If they had it, we didn't talk about that. And, and when I met Bethany, you know, that became something uh, that became talked about and, and going through a bunch of experiences really made me look at, at my life and, and, and my, you know, and, and caused me to really think about my faith Yeah, and, and make those decisions. Yeah. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, I don't know when, but I, I, so I taught a, an adult Sunday school class for about 20 years, something like that. And I was teaching, I think, when you guys got married. I think I was teaching the class. And I think you guys came to the class. I just remember you coming to the class bef- right before you guys moved down to D.C., I think. Do you remember any of this? You probably don't remember any of this. I, I, I don't. I don't remember yeah. the details of, of doing that. But but that would be right. We, we got married, and then shortly after that, uh, graduated and probably headed down there. So we were here probably a couple years before we headed down to DC. Yeah. I just remember calling you because I felt like, well, I'm, I'm his Sunday school teacher. You're down there, newlyweds. And so I remember having a con- phone conversation when you were down there working in the patent office. You don't remember this, huh? I don't. It was brilliant. I was brilliant by the way, in the conversation. <laughs> since you don't remember. Encouraging. <laughs> Supportive. Yeah. Oh, I was all those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, if you have no memory of it, it must've been that good. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I know we're going to get to our later part of the story, but, yeah. but, um, and I, and I honestly think some of the things that I went through has affected my long-term memory. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't remember some of the things I know my kids make fun of me. My, my wife just laughs anymore, but <laughs> there's some things that are just a blank for me. I just can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Dial up and I are going through that now with salads and stuff. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> no, I know, I know. So then you, you moved back here. I think, did you move back here because Bethany was homesick or did you guys, did you, you just wanted so to come back and get it, a different It's job? actually more, there's, there's a lot in that. I, I would say, you know, when you, when you talk about newlyweds moving away yeah. to somewhere Tough. new, yeah, very, very hard. Yeah. And Bethany at the time was 18 when we got married. Right. right. So, so, you know, moving away from home, moving to a new location without an established group of friends, it was, it was super hard, right? So really challenging on our marriage. And, 
and as we kind of worked back and forth through things, right, over time we kind of made compromises and we worked together and 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 we were really doing well and and boy I wanted to keep honoring that and growing. And so as I saw, you know, her kind of changing and, and moving in that direction, uh, I said, hey, let's let's do what we have to because our, our marriage, you're more important. Let's just go back. And yeah. Uh, and so that's what we did. And we kind of found a way to to do it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons it's a high impact, man. That's right. So when did you you got back here and um, you got. When did you get diagnosed with, it was uh, APL, right? Mm-hmm. Acute promyelocytic leukemia. Yep. yep. Wh- when was that? What year was that? Do that, you know? that would have been, it would have been 20, uh, 2002. Okay. It would have been uh, July 17th. So so as we talk here, we're about two weeks away from my 20-year anniversary. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which We didn't plan it that way, but now, yeah, wow. It was wow. awesome to, yeah. to be there. So, so, yeah, so it's about almost 20 years ago. That I got diagnosed. Tell us about that day. Well, I, I when I look back at that day, I think it's the only time I've ever been in shock. And I and I when I say shock, it it had a physical feeling to it, right? Um, and so, so the the doctor comes in, and uh, and you would know James Brady. Do you remember that? Oh, Dr. I know Brady? him. Yeah, and. And so as, as he came in, you know, I just was thinking I'm in there for something small. And he says, well, I've got good news and bad news for you. And, and so I said, I'll take the bad news first, right? And he said, uh, you have leukemia. And at that moment, I was like sitting on the edge of my bed. It's like all of the blood left my brain, right. my head, and it flowed down my arms. And I sat there on the bed. And do you ever see those? those big green hawk uh, hands that kids wear. Oh, yeah. It felt like my hands were that big, and, and I was completely stunned. And he kept talking. I saw his mouth moving. You weren't hearing anything. I wasn't hearing a single thing. I, yeah. de- I never heard the good news huh. until later. <laughs> what, well, like, what were your symptoms leading up to this? Like, so, so there's a bunch of symptoms that I had. One is called petechiae. You get little uh, red dots uh, because your platelets are, are low. And so it responds differently. So little red dots on my legs, but I explained those away because I was recently fishing in the weeds. And I thought I got some rash. But what happened was, is I had, I was working uh, at, at a, a home builder at the time to help with health insurance because when I moved back home, I didn't have a full salary job. I was doing consulting work for a, a contractor writing patent applications in Allentown. And it was sketchy. He wouldn't pay me right away. So I'd go a couple of weeks without work. So I had to get health insurance. So I'm at the home builder. And, and at the time, Bethany is is away out of town. And I'm there for a couple of days at work. And just suddenly, you just start having, I just started having bleeding. Yeah. In my mouth. And, and it was happening so much that it made me nauseated. And so I thought, something's just not right. And so that's when I, I went to, to the, the clinic and they took, my, they took my blood and they did some tests and they said, we're going to keep you overnight, right? You know, something's not right here. And, uh, 
and and so that's when Robin, I think, went down to pick up Bethany. Yeah, yeah. My wife, uh, Rosebud, was good friends, is good friends with G Ray's wife, North Atlantic, and she went down to pick her up. And uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, so acute promyelocytic leukemia is fortunately the good news. I think was that it was treatable. And I don't know what the percentages are, but there is a good chance of of uh, of you know long term or complete remission. Right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And so the key is if you catch it right at the beginning, if you miss it, it happens very quick. Where you you could lose you could your convert life. to acute myelocytic leukemia, right? And but that's right, a, if once you get the treatments uh, and you're in remission. It's it's very likely that you're able to stay in that in remission, and so uh, you know they've got multiple different treatment arms, and uh, so yeah, and yeah. This was this was very uh, impactful on me because I don't know how much memory you have of this, but uh, when you come in with that diagnosis, they need to start chemotherapy pretty quickly, right? And at least at the time. Uh, you needed something called a central line. It's an IV that goes in a big vein, not a little IV in your arm. It's a, You have to put it in the jugular vein in the neck or in the femoral vein in the groin or the subclavian vein underneath your collarbone. And I work in cardiothoracic surgery, and at the time as a PA, we were the guys that were consulted throughout the hospital to go put these central lines in. And I put your central line in. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, it was probably wasn't a great experience. I still have the scar. Still have the scar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, so it was, it was a really difficult decision cause I knew you. And so the question is, should you do it or not? Cause I was the guy that was there late that night. Cause it was late. I think it was like, I can't remember, but it was probably late in the day, like four or five o'clock or something like that. And I was the guy scheduled to be late. I could have said no. Um, but this is where, you know, the question is, do you, is it hubris or you know what? But I knew that I had more experience than the other people. And so I thought I should probably do it. <clears throat> and so I put it, but when your platelet count, so, so to give you an understanding, uh, your platelet count was less than 10,000. Normal platelet count is over 100,000. So when your platelet count is less than 10,000, you could get spontaneous bleeding, which is what you're describing when you're bleeding from your gums, petechiae, it's like easy. Little things that happen in our body that your body clots very quickly, you never even notice it, now you can't. To put... A big needle and a big vein in the chest is uh, makes it riskier, and so they could bleed, and so yours went in, but it was bleeding around it. So the the treatment is to put stitches around it, and that's why you got the scar because we put a bunch of stitches around it to try to stop the bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> now I I do remember that, and I I still have that right here. I, yeah, yeah. I'm and, sorry, and I think I do remember like them placing like sandbags. Yes, yeah, like weights on your chest yep. to, to keep the pressure on and. And eventually the bleeding stopped. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing you get the central line for is so that you can get platelets because they transfer. But your but platelets don't last that long, so it isn't. Anyway, as more medical information, than everyone out there probably needs to know. But I just let you know that I was torn. You know, should I go do this or not? Uh, because there's it's there's a really significant risk of of bleeding into your chest, and that would be very bad. Um, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, but it worked. The the catheter worked, and you're left with a scar. So no, it was it was, no, and I'm glad you did that because one of the things when I went through all my treatments, not not just that day, was that 
being in this community and being where there was a lot of people that we knew involved at this hospital, uh, like yourself, like like Gary Gary Lewis. Yes, right. He was a, a pharmacist for chemotherapy. Yeah. There was believers. There was people that cared about you, yeah. helping you out. It was absolutely so encouraging. Yeah, that was hard to measure. You know, it's not just a medical treatment. You've got people on your team, right, that, yeah. that care about you, and. Boy, that was a game changer for me. Can you imagine if that happened when you were down in uh, D.C.? Not, not that they don't have good doctors down there. I'm sure that they no. do. And, but, uh, but to not have the support, family, friends, yeah. physicians that you know, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Your pastor. Pastor Wonderland, yep. yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. He's a retired Very pastor special. from our church, First Baptist Church. But, uh, yeah, so what was it like going through all that now? Now you got the diagnosis, and you, and Bethany shows up, right? North Atlantic shows up. She must have been frantic. And now you got to undergo all this chemotherapy. Yeah, so I, I don't know how to, how to explain that. You, you just deal with it. Every day was something new, um, and there was a bunch of challenges. Uh, I think some of the hardest things for me at first we're getting bone marrow biopsies. Oh yeah, they're fun. Huh? And and I, I still some of the my I think it was my very first one that a that a PA Danny Gray gave me, and he tilts you on the side. And at the time before you when you have your first one, uh, all of your stem cells are very densely packed in, and and it was it was so uncomfortable. And and I I don't know if we want to talk about all the details <laughs> getting into it, but yeah. it feels like. Um, you know, they, they punch a hole in, cut through the bone and suck out some of the marrow. Right. And it almost felt like somebody's hands were inside my, my abdomen, like wiggling their hand around. It was, it was crazy weird. Right. So, but very powerful and moving because I think at that point I realized that I need a different level of care. I'm not just going home tonight. Mm -hmm. I was, I was an inpatient for, for, for 12 days. Yeah. And I knew that it was it was game on. It was serious as I laid there, and pretty much broke down. And and I still still one of my favorite songs that, that I think God put in my mind was because He lives. Yeah, it's just so powerful it is. for me. So, but yeah, for those who don't know, it's a, a Christian song, but very powerful. And uh, uh, but but every day was a little bit different. And could not have done it without my wife or without my family. Cause I had an awesome, I had an awesome family to get me through that. Yeah. And good medical team too. So. Because he lives. Oh boy. I can face tomorrow. All right. Edit that out. <laughs> um, no, it is. It's a, it's a very meaningful song. And uh, man, this is just a, I, you know, I, when I, not to, not to compare myself to you, but when I had a heart attack, um, I'm sitting on the side of the road with crushing chest pain, waiting for the ambulance to come and get me thinking I could die right now. It's a it's a weird place you go. I don't know if everybody's the same, but it's almost like like hard to explain. But it's almost like it's happening to somebody else, except the pain was real. That that I wanted to go with really <laughs> really badly. But um, but you know, as you're going through it, it's like 
it's like a, a motion picture that's going by. I don't know. I don't. That, like that's the not classic. A very good you're over. Like, are you overlooked? Like you're. I had an out of body experience. Yeah, no, looking down, no, seeing it all happen, or something like that. <laughs> no, I didn't have that. But it's uh, until they gave me the good drugs. You know, I finally got in the hospital. They put the stent in, and they they gave me good drugs, fentanyl and Versed, and I felt good then. Then they could do whatever they want to me. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. For me, even looking back, like, I I can't think of myself as somebody who had a heart attack. You know, I don't think of myself that way. I think that had to be somebody else. I don't know if you have that same kind of feeling, but, and it's just strange. I was going to say that let this be the official documentation that if I ever need a central line or anything else done. Yeah. That requires CV surge PA work. You have permission. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We don't do that anymore though. We don't put them in for other services. We used to put them in for all the services in the hospital. We stopped doing that though. I could still do it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I pray you never need one. If you ever have to pull a chest tube, though, I get to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. I've heard stories. I've heard stories. There's only one way to get those out. Yeah. Uh, the crazy thing at the time, as I was getting through that first part and getting through a couple rounds of chemo, Bethany was expecting, so we were having... Oh, that's oh, right. We were having wow. our little Emma. Um, wow. And so, boy, was that a strong desire to get through those um uh and just just there was a lot going on at the time yeah yep so very very grateful so you were thankful. what were you 22 20 26 and then turned 27 okay, 20. shortly after i got diagnosed yeah yeah really young yeah really young um yeah, my daughter's 26 right now so oh, yeah my oldest daughter yeah wow well, you know, thank God, praise the Lord that you're still here. And, you know, 20 years, I mean, that's that's a great result. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I think that once you get there, I, what do I know? Anything could happen, but it sounds like you've been... Do you, do you have to get, like, blood work every year or anything like that? Yeah, just regular checkups. Just regular yeah. checkups? Yeah, yeah. I, I stopped going back to hematology, oncology a while ago. So yeah. certainly every time I get that annual test though, I'm like, Hey, what are my accounts? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me they're good. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I, I, I do think the longer you move away from an event like that, it, the easier it is to forget. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and, and I, and I, and I think that's, that's not good. Because there was a time right when that happened when I cherished every breath and yeah. every moment you see that kid, your child smile, your child get born and you're like, one more day. So, you know, just one more day. And, and then after a while, you just take that time for granted. And, you know, just talking about it today, I think is, is a great thing because it, it just reminds me yeah. uh, where, where I once was. So. Absolutely. So your experience with this, is it in any way what helped uh, kind of inspire you to go into the field that you're that yeah. you're in now? That's it's exactly what I did because I, I wasn't into the patent office stuff. And I thought, you know, I want to do something meaningful. Huh. I want to do something different. And I want to do it in a way that I can that I can work with cancer patients. And the crazy thing was, is at the time I didn't see the opportunity and so I started looking around in different areas, and out of the blue, this this guy who happened to know Bethany's dad, right? Um, uh, kind of, they kind of ran into each other. I don't know. At local, local back at the time, they had local dairy festivals, right? <laughs> at like the like at like a mall, and they happened to meet up at like a 
it was like a big ice cream sundae. So they started talking and found out what I wanted to do. And boy, it's just God started opening the doors through these people. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm at a radiation oncology clinic volunteering and seeing what, what somebody with a degree in physics does in radiation oncology. Mm-hmm. And, and after about two or three weeks of just volunteering, uh, the, the physicist says, hey, I have an idea. Would you, would you be interested in, in working for me? I'll train you, but you'll need to go to graduate school in order to become board certified. And I said, absolutely. And so that door opened up, and I volunteered for, for a little bit more, went to graduate school. The guy hired me on, paid for my graduate school, trained me. I was there for two years with him. Great experience, great guy. And that was a game changer for me. That, that yeah. created the opportunity that I was down in Virginia, I never saw that opportunity yeah. there. And it fit well with my background and fit well for me to, to serve uh, patients mm-hmm. who were going through very similar experiences that, that I did. And so, and now it took a while, but, but now in our clinic we're offering uh, almost like what they call total body irradiation, where we're irradiating an entire patient. So many of these patients are leukemic patients, right? So, so here I am it, coming full circle where I'm actually working with patients who have leukemia. Mm. Uh, and that's pretty emotional sometimes. I, I've connected with a couple patients, and, uh, but just amazing how God opened that opportunity yeah. and, and just answered prayers. But you're exactly right. That, that actually changed the direction of, of my career. Yeah, and you found your vocation. Yeah. You know, not just a job. No. No, vocation. and I, I love what I do because I have, I get to to teach, um, uh, do my clinical stuff with patients, and then I have a, a research too. Mm-hmm. So it is a nice <laughs> variation, and I feel, it feels certainly meaningful. You know, it's amazing, isn't it, how, how providential I think things were? I mean, you, you are, you, you go down the patent office, you're trying to make a career down there, and um, because you're trying to be faithful to your M, you, you move back here, uh, unknowing, not knowing that you're going to develop this leukemia, get taken care of here by, you know, in a way that you have all this support and stuff, second daughter on the way, and it leads you to your vocation, to the career that you've enjoyed. Yeah, That's just unbelievable, huh? Yeah. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we never do, do we? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, so so how did your faith get you through that? Like, well, tell me, you know, how did that impact, how did it get, help you get through it, but how did it impact you afterwards? Um, I was very grateful. Um, I, I guess going through that, I it was very humbling, too. It just made me realize that, that that every day was a gift and I said I know that sounds so cliche to say that but 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 going through that I think made a huge difference and helped me appreciate whatever time I have and 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 in my faith I 
I think seeing God work through all of that, not just the job, but, <clears throat> but I can remember um, when I was at First Baptist and, and I received my last paycheck because I wasn't working for a long period of time. And so I received my last paycheck, right? And I knew I wasn't going to get a paycheck for probably six, nine months. And, you know, Bethany and I talked about it, and I said, should I tithe on this, right? Mm -hmm. I think I'm not going to get another one. So I did. I tithed on it. I, I wasn't making much at the time, but I put 100 bucks in the, in the offering plate, and Bethany and I would get up to leave the service. And doesn't another guy, a, a guy who's attending the church, says, here, I wanted to give you something. It's 100 bucks. That, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> right? that, if that and doesn't so, give you chills. Wow. And, so, and, and that's one instance. There were so many ways that God worked through people to help us out. And through that time, it wasn't, wasn't it was just seeing how God was working out to take care of us, to take care of my family, and... And I mean, and it was almost like him saying, just trust me and, and I will, I will show you that I'll take care of you. That's amazing. And that was, that was one story. Very powerful. We just, wow. Still, still emotional today, but yeah. Holy cow. Jeez. And yeah. without working six, nine months and close to a year, we were able to pay all of our bills because of people to helping us out, things happening and, and people loving on us. It was awesome. That's amazing. Praise God. Huh? That's just amazing. Yeah. You hear so many stories like that. Yeah. I know my, my father-in-law was always one that just preached tithing, tithing, tithing. And yeah, this that, is an episode about tithing, but man, <laughs> I'll tell you what, but what is, what is, yeah. I mean, we, we did the same thing when we, um, we first joined the church and, uh, my wife and I were just, just married and, uh, long story for me, I, be, I came to faith after I got married, uh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was like 27. And now I'm like gung ho and I'm reading all this stuff. I'm like, honey, we got a tithe. And she's like, what? And we had a lot of debt when we went into marriage. We both had tons of student loans and credit card debt and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I remember one Christmas said, we got a tithe. So I just, and I, I wanted to give back, you know, all this stuff at Christmas. So I, 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 I forget how much money it was, but I, the amount I gave away, my wife was like, what'd you do that for? We, you know, how are we going to do pay for bills and all this stuff? And, and then like a week later or less than a week later, she gets a check in the mail that she did not expect for something that she had done at work and she didn't even remember, didn't know she was going to get paid. And it was for the exact amount, just like he just described. Yeah. Yeah. You hear so many stories like that. Awesome. It's incredible. Uh, when you talk to folks. Yeah. It's all, it's, <laughs> yeah. All right. If we're not increasing your faith out there, you're not listening. So. <laughs> All right. So, you know, so you, you moved on in, uh, in your career. You worked there for how long have you been working in radiation oncology now? Uh, radiation oncology, probably about uh, 18 years. 18 years. And so now you, you direct the residency program mm -hmm. and you also direct, you oversee multiple clinics, right? Um, there was a time when I did that. I, I don't have that leadership role. That was, that was pretty stressful. I stepped in as an interim director for, right. for a period of about a year. And, uh, that was, that was insane. And you're still directing the residency program, right? Yeah. Running the residency program. Just had a gra uh, our, our, our resident just graduated today. Just finished, uh, last day today. It ends cool. at the end of June. So oh, that's time she to was celebrate. super pumped. She's taken 
she's taking uh, the next month off, and then she's joining our group. So oh, cool, which is Thanks. awesome. Yeah, so so we've been able to keep about four or five of our residents that we uh, that we have. How long is the residency? Is it two two, two years? years yeah. Two years. Yeah. How many do you have at a time? Uh, two. Two at a time. First year and the second year. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, it's nice to be able to hire people like that because basically it was a two year interview. Oh yeah, it's both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's really nice when that works. So as a member of F3, uh, you know, our mission is to uh, plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men for the invigoration of male community leadership. We want to develop virtuous leaders. Has F3 helped you in any way to uh, to be a better leader? You know, whatever, husband, you know, how has F3 helped you? Yeah, I. it keeps changing for me, honestly. When I first joined the group, it was more about kind of finally finding a bunch of guys again that I could connect with um, and feeling like I could pick up the phone and call those guys if something bad happened. Before F3, I mean, I, I just, I didn't feel like I had those close friends. Um, and and so initially it was like, man, this is awesome. I got guys to laugh with, joke around with, do some stupid stuff with, and and make some memories, right? And 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 establish these relationships at a level that was that was more meaningful and deeper than just passing somebody at church. And I think you guys know what I mean. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so and then over time it's challenged me to become a better leader with guys. I I think like in what I do, I, I think I do very well at what I do at work in mentoring and teaching. But when it comes to leading other men and, and trying to, to take the role in an area where I don't feel as comfortable, it's kind of awkward. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think trying to be put in that situation, uh, is a good thing. It puts me out of my comfort zone. And I think I've gotten better in some of the areas. I have a lot to, to get better at, but, but, but I, but the F3 thing has been changing for me and the dynamics and, and those are some of the two areas and I, and I have a feeling I'm not going to stop there. I think there's going to be some other areas where it's going to cause me to kind of want to improve too. Well, yeah, because we're probably going to make you do something else. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming up in a time when, uh, uh, all of us on the shared leadership team need to kind of step down and step aside, let new guys get in there and, and lead, um, more on that later, uh, not on this podcast, but in the future. Yeah. Um, but I could tell you, I know dial up what you think he's, he is very creative when he cues. Yeah. I think we got into that in our, uh, episode with the, with the ladies. Yeah. Uh, we talked about his, uh, creative uh, workouts. Yeah. Cause, uh, we've had boulders. I'll call them boulders. They're boulders. Yeah. Some are boulders, yeah. right? We said boulders and smaller rocks. And G Ray just shows up with his truck full of. How many tons was it in your truck? <laughs> I I think my my truck was overweight. I, I, <laughs> pickup think, truck. I think I had probably close to two thousand pounds. Yeah, there was a lot of weight in rocks. in his half ton truck. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> it was it was a low rider at that point. <laughs> Just cleaning up and getting the rocks off the off the uh, field when we were done was a workout. It was a Chevy though. It was yeah. <laughs> it was a Chevy, so we were fine. This commercial brought to you by Hawkins Chevrolet of Danville, Pennsylvania. Shout out to you, Mater. Hope you're listening. Mater, better pay attention. All right. Mater's one of our packs. He owns a local Chevy yeah. dealership. But yeah, you've had rocks and boulders and 
<laughs> those Christmas boxes we talked about last week uh, for signs. You've had uh, tires mm-hmm. that we've tossed and chucked and mm-hmm. got creative on how what was the best technique to get your tire to cover the furthest or the long, the right. most ground every time you would throw it and get a roll instead of a dead Throwing tires down the parking lot. <laughs> I could never get any distance out of mine. Mine would just hit and go bleh and just stop. <laughs> it would never flip or bounce or anything. But yeah. uh, those are the ones I remember. I'm sure there were others. But uh, we've always had good beat downs with G-Ray for sure. Yeah. Now, are you are – you, is it you and Beach Ball that are planning our next CSOP? Yes, and and I was just talking with Porky's about that. I – I got to reach out to 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 Beach Ball to figure that out because I don't I don't know the date, and so we got to figure that out and figure out where we're gonna where we're gonna be and then put some stuff together. Yeah, for those that don't know, a CSUP is an acronym, and F three just stands for completely stupid and utterly pointless. So in the past, it used to mean <laughs> going to like do an obstacle course race, running a five k, half marathon, whatever. But when COVID hit, we started developing a homegrown CSUP. So then guys got creative with creating all kinds of crazy workouts and long hours, you know, not just an hour beat down, but long beat downs and uh, doing all kinds of stuff. So anyway, that's what a CSOP is. So, <laughs> so we've got one of our packs beach ball working with G Ray to come up with our next CSOP. Yeah, I think our, our last one we did, <laughs> it was, it was so hilarious. And oh, I, and I, and it was definitely not a hard, no well, well, hard CSOP, but it was the most, I don't know. My abs hurt worse <laughs> after that season <laughs> than they would have if we would have done like LBCs the whole time. Yeah, let, let's just say it, it dealt with you know when you put your head on a bat and spin around <laughs> ten times and try to do things when the world is spinning and going into freezing cold creeks and oh, we did all kinds of things. Oh, it's poor, terrific. poor I thin loved crust. Every bit of it. Thin crust. <laughs> <laughs> Down goes thin crust. <laughs> Some of us had handled the spinny bat thing better than others. The sad thing is, uh, it was it was videotaped, and I got to see myself, and I look much older than I think I am. It was very, very uh, humbling. Uh, he was looking say. for a light switch. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> Oh, we'll have to post a link to that video out on the <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, there, on the there, website there as well. Just one. I I remember uh, Half Thor having some stumbling back oh, yeah, into the yeah. backstop, and yeah, was it, was he it fell Gand- all Gandalf too. He tried oh, Gandalf! To kick the Gandalf ball. <laughs> tried to kick the ball, and like was this like side? I don't know what you'd call it, but he kicked it, and uh, it was a bicycle kick gone awry. Yeah, Half Thor <laughs> fell all two feet to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> He's vertically challenged. Fantastic. It was and we still Gandalf still complains that he had to have two extra revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> I did twelve. I did twelve, not ten, or whatever. I don't even remember what it was. But oh, good times hanging from the rafters. Oh with, yeah, with apples I in forgot. her mouths. I forgot about that. Yeah. Egg roulette, smashing yeah. eggs over her head. Smashing and eggs under Some were hard boiled and some were not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do other F three organizations do that i have not i've not i've not seen or heard of anybody doing something like that yeah maybe they do i don't i don't you know who knows but i have not heard of any they usually just take joy in killing each other with the hardest workouts you know ever devised by man but you know this one was much more kind of let's have some fun and for those f3 guys out there listening we do hard ones but this was a low-key one it was. It was. Porky's couldn't get his feet wet. No, he didn't want to get in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold, but not that Doing cold. Doing burpees in the creek. We did do burpees in the creek. That's right. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, you know, I think, you know, this has been, 
you know, just talking about it and it reminded me of when I had to put that center line in you. It was, it was, it was, I was emotional thinking about it while I was talking to you, but uh, to come through what you came through. And, you know, I think probably made you stronger in the end. At least it's supposed to, right? Things that we go through. Make life a little more precious, right? Yeah. And you took that and you turned it into something that where you can impact the community, you know, becoming a radiation oncologist and uh, trying to serve in that way. Just, just amazing. Yeah. I mean, to have been through that experience, I mean, to your ability to be more compassionate, you know, with, Mm -hmm. with the patient and be able to relate to what they're going through is, I'm sure you know, really impactful in the care that you deliver to, uh, to your patients and, and really m- means, means a lot to them, I'm sure. And they, I'm sure they can, they can see that your that your care and concern and love for them, you know, and taking care of them during this difficult is, is really, really genuine. So God had a plan. He had a plan. He always yeah. does. Yeah. And again, you know, we've talked, I think at least one or two episodes, right? About, there's always those, in everyone's life, I think there's those one, two, three key pivotal times in your life that just had they not been there and not went the direction that you went for you moving back to to home at that time, you know, and having instead been in D.C. when you were going through all this, like, you know, like how different could your story have been? Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine. Right. But uh, but instead, it's it's been a pretty wonderful an inspiring story for sure. Well, we're really glad that you made it through and you're with us. I am too. Because we yeah. love you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, G. Ray, he was on our Blue, Blue Ridge Relay team last year. Um, and you're on it again this year, right? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I had to back out because of back issues. And uh, anyway, I'm really, really, really torn up about it. Uh, you guys don't know, but I tried to run today. Uh Made it 2.3 miles, one of the worst runs I've had in years. Just long hours in the operating room this week, so my back is really killing me. But anyway. Um, G-Ray had the glory leg. Oh, right? he did. That's right. Yeah. He had the, he had the, last the final leg. leg. He brought it home. Yeah. How'd that feel coming down off the Blue Ridge Parkway through all those downhills? I, I, that was one of the worst runs I've had. <laughs> and, and the mental challenges to finish that, I, I had to go to some deep, dark places to, <laughs> <laughs> to do that. But, but the awesome thing was when I came around that corner and I saw all the team there waiting for me, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That was very meaningful. And, and when you guys were waiting and we all finished across that line together, that was awesome. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Right? Whose idea was that? That was a great idea. I think awesome. Lowe's. Yeah. Was I think Lowe's. Lowe's. Yeah. That was kind of, I don't remember the usual thing. Yeah. Fantastic. We finished all together and, Man, just kind of hugged each other, and we're yeah. glad, glad it was all all done. <laughs> but that that last leg was was it was if I remember right, four four and a half miles downhill, yeah. coming off of the the parkway, and my quads were just hammering, my le- my knees were just shot prepared for it. Yeah, everybody thinks downhill running is easy, but it's so, far so far from it. Destroys, that's where I do my best running. Destroys your <laughs> destroys your legs. Yeah, because you had a you had a pretty steep down. down yeah, I had too. my my last leg was a nine point some miler, and the first like four and a half five miles were downhill on gravel, and it wasn't just like fine, densely packed gravel. It was like loose, bigger rocks kind of thing. That was tiptoeing my way down the the switchbacks on that downhill. That was a that was a challenge, and then it flattened out for the next like four or five miles, and and it got hot. I'm like, wow, I'd rather be going downhill. You guys didn't like that. I like the downhill. <laughs> 
I, did, I, I remember my fastest mile time is going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I guess everyone does, but anyway. And yet we are wanting to do it again. Yeah, right? yeah. I am so, so bummed that I, I'm not going to do it. I keep thinking if I get a back injection, I still might be able to pull it off. There's still time. Lowe's, is, Lowe's told me I could do the, the easier uh, runner position. Yeah. So. We'll give you the easiest spot, man. You don't know. You didn't see me today, though. It was bad. I was going to run three miles. I only ran 2.3. Well, we'll take and you in whatever condition you're in. Oh, thanks. Even if you have to walk. We'll yeah, ma- well, we'll make up the time. We'll see. I still, I'm holding out a little hope. I'm a little hope. Hopefully Robin's not listening to this as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I hope she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> My M is not interested in me running that relay. You're just going to go along and drive the van, right? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess it's time for the... The question I asked us of all my prey. Question at the ev- end of every podcast. And he's a, and it, he's a listener, so is he, it should, time for he that? should know it's coming. Yeah, he should. I think uh, it's time. Have you yeah. prepared for this one? I can't remember. I've listened to two Porkies and Ga- and Gandalf. Oh, you're, you only got about fifteen others to listen to. Okay, so <laughs> the question is: This is your chance to speak to the men of America. What message do you have for the men of America? So many things come to my mind that, that I could say. Um, I don't want to be cliche about it, but I and, and I'll try and steer away from that. But but I I think I think when I when I look back over the things that are important to me, right? That I went through. You know whether you, you know the, your job, the things you accomplish in sports, the things you you do or what you you get through, um, those things are important. But I, I'd say the the thing that is most important is 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 kind of two parts, and that is kind of what you think about God, mm-hmm. right, and and what you do, the choices you make with that thought. And and I think that directs your path. The, all of the other things I think kind of fall behind that stuff. And and if our view of God is 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 in the right place and seeing what He's done for us and seeing all those things, and we respond to that, it changes your life and not just here on earth but for eternity. So so I I think that that's probably one of the things I think I would share is 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 challenging guys to 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 think about that you know what do they think about god and then you know how are you going to respond what are you going to do with that that's great yeah he's the only guy to said that so far yeah that's really good yep love it yeah wow well you know you got you you didn't purposely test but you did test god and he proved himself to be faithful when about the tithing story told right and just his hand in your life as you went through what we talked about and how providential it was to be back here and and finding your vocation and then being a high impact man uh going out and and, and leading others and uh, leading your family as well as you do and uh um, because we didn't even get into that and i apologize for that he's got three lovely daughters and uh last one has going to be a senior in high school right Last one will actually be a junior this year. So oh, junior. So it's two she years. Two left. more years. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
That's I thought she had one more year left. I'm behind the times or ahead of the times. Um, She's got a state championship to defend in basketball. Yeah, they just won the state championship <laughs> in basketball. They lost their star though. That girl was so yeah. good. Uh, but anyway, uh, just you know, just great having you on the show. Um, I think uh, it goes without saying, but I think we just spoke to another high impact man. We no doubt spoke to another high impact man. Yeah, and and just so y'all are clear, don't forget your food at the drive-through. That's right. Public service announcement from yep. the High Impact Man podcast. That's right. Order, pay, get your food. Don't forget your food. In that order. <laughs> thanks for joining us, G-Ray. Well, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure doing this, and uh, I love being part of it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, love having you here, brother. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.